that was definitely top three, like most soul crushing moments of my life. Oh my. Welcome back to Outside the Grind. This week, we have the one and only Danger Taco with us, man. How are we feeling this evening? I'm feeling good. Uh, this has always been fun to be able to sit down, especially with you. You're, you're a creator that like I saw a lot in Twitter and didn't get really yeah. talk. And then we finally like add an event. I'm like, oh, you're like physically right there. I can go talk <laughs> to you. And then we actually did get to like chat for an extended period of time, not just like yeah. the, hey, what up? Fist bump, respect to you and then walk away. So yeah. that's been it's been nice to be able to be invited on this, the prestigious uh, series that you got going Aww. on. Thank you, man. I appreciate you carving out some time for it. And I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because that is like probably the number one motivator for wanting to do a show like this. Um, I've talked about this a couple times with some other folks, but in the digital world, it's just so much more difficult to build that rapport. You know, we don't have those organic natural spaces that we come across people, whether it's like, you know, you're a, a bookworm and you make friends at the library or you're, you know, a, a health person or exercise person and you make friends at the gym. Like we all, like you described, we interact on Twitter, support one mm -hmm. another, maybe say hello here or there, but it's so difficult to find time to just sit and hang out and have a conversation. And so that was a, a, a big motivator in, uh, in wanting to do this series. So I appreciate you uh, taking some time and I'm looking forward to learning more about Mr. Taco. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also why I think lands have been huge. Yeah. The return of them, because everyone's like, oh, you get to go in person. It's like a mm -hmm. sporting event. I'm like, ah, I mean, yeah, if you want to go, you can watch esports and that's great. But it's also nice on the peripheral level, especially when you're a creator or a commentator or anyone that does business within esports or like has a network to actually yeah. be able to meet with people. And, you know, people saying like networking is a dirty word, but it's incidental. You just talk yeah. with cool people with shared interests yeah. and through that you learn oh this isn't just like a performative friendship like i genuinely have Dude. a lot in common with these people you vibe with these people and it's not just because you're in the same community it shows that like no you can genuinely have like deep connections with people yeah. uh and make inroads in that way without it meaning to just be like this is a purely business like transactional yeah. relationship that people have with each other that was very well put performative yeah 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 i totally agree i think you're exactly right um hopefully we'll get some more lands you I, I think i saw you're not going to boston are you no uh this is yeah that's that's something we, we'll probably touch on a little bit later but yeah there's been a uh, uh, uh transitions uh lately so it's like one of those things where i could afford that but i'm like should i afford that it's like that balance i'm like i could yeah. totally swing that but sure. it's also one of those things that three months down the line i don't want to be like oh why did i do that yeah <laughs> why yeah. did i spend all that money in that one in, in that one mode because it's all about the tiny stuff for lands honestly mm -hmm. uh, there's all these tiny costs that build up that always get to me yeah all right so let's rewind it i like to make this chronological it's just the easiest way for me to yeah. try to stay in line here so we'll start with this esports gaming world is this something that you have always done? Were you into games as a kid? Did you have a console? Walk us through that timeline. Or is gaming something that you um, developed an interest for later on in life? So I kind of, uh, I'm going to answer this by, uh, I'd say an attitude I see often mm -hmm. on Twitter from people who get kind of frustrated where they're like, man, gaming sucks up so much of my time. I wonder what I could have done without it. Da -da -da -da. Yeah, yeah. And I relate to some of that, but also because uh, when I was younger, I definitely had moments where before consoles were a little bit more affordable because I know yeah. if you adjust prices for like current value of the dollar, some of those old consoles, especially the next gen ones when they started coming out, really expensive. So like I went without gaming for a very long time. 
very active, played a lot of soccer on a lot of different different teams uh, through high school into college. And once I got a console, that was nice because when I didn't have soccer, I felt like I was just bored out of my mind at home. Like I could read, I did read a decent amount, but uh, I don't know how many people relate to this, but I, I swear, like the more I got into school and especially in college and, you know, eventually into grad school, when, I, when you're reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages a week, eventually it's just like, I don't have the interest of reading further. Like I know it's for fun and I know it's an escapism thing, but for me, I yeah. can never motivate myself again to get into books outside of when I'm on an airplane, when I'm literally like, okay, it's either pay money to get access to the internet or read for free. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can read. But uh, I definitely read a lot growing up. Uh, once I got into video games, I think I liked it because it was a medium of entertainment that was also interactive. And I liked the aspect that you could experience a story like you would with a movie or a TV show, but you could control the outcome. You could like walk through a character's decisions um, or you could play FIFA. And it's not just you sitting back and watching soccer, it's you dictating the outcome. And I think it's mm -hmm. it kind of, I think that type of video games is why I like to, it's how I market it actually to people who don't play video games. Cause a lot of people watch Netflix and they're on their phone. Yeah. I'm like, why are you on your phone? You're like, I don't know. It just feels like I should be doing something else. That's what video games does. <laughs> like, I'm not on my phone while I'm playing video games because you are fully engaged. And mm -hmm. I think that really appealed to me. So I, I wasn't into video games in the beginning, but I think in high school, really dove into it. And I think ever since then, it's just kind of been a staple hobby because it's both time expensive and that it can like be a hobby that fills up your day yeah. uh, while also being something that I think you can experience like deep emotional connections with art and not just, right. you know, run and shoot, you know, casual arcade type vibes. Yeah. What were some of the games that you liked to play when you first got started? Uh, my first ever console, I remember that my parents got me, was a PlayStation 2, um, the OG slim ones, like the super small mm -hmm. ones. And uh, my sisters love like Dance Dance Revolution, yeah. which is a game I only played with them. But uh, the first ever game I got, which turned into a game series I loved, is uh, Ratchet and Clank, if you okay. know the yeah. series. Like nowadays, I don't really play them that much. Uh, I've tried to, and they're just like not, they don't hit the same, but um, that series I absolutely loved. Was, if you, if you, people have never played it in short, just very goofy, very funny game, run yeah. and shoot kind of arcade game. But it was, um, it was like one of the first story-based games that really made me like connect with the idea of just like, oh, story-based games can actually be pretty deep and actually take a this amount of time and also have that completionist angle of collecting random stuff throughout the game, upgrading weapons. and. Uh, that was my initial hook for sure. I yeah. think I be, definitely became a COD kid later on yeah. because I think socially it's hard to not run into a crowd of people, especially if you're a dude in high school where mm -hmm. a lot of people don't touch that game. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like, so I think almost, I think almost every person that I've talked to so far did game growing up. And, and I think some more than others, if I remember everything mm -hmm. right. But it does seem like a just a huge uh, portion, you know, uh, definitely a, a majority of individuals highlight either Call of Duty or Halo. And it yeah. feels like it's always that like 12 to 18, somewhere in that range. And it just like a lot of people outline or, you know, recount how it just like took over their life almost, you yeah. know, like summers hit, school's out, Call of Duty nine hours a day <laughs> yep it uh i actually i've never felt more seen than i was actually remember i watched your episode of this series with karma and karma had the exact same path as me like well <laughs> karma's had like really crazy competitive history. you guys should definitely watch that video on Hootie's channel if you have not already but um 
Karma mentioned. Yeah, super into COD, played a lot of that one. But then they got into like advanced warfare and like running <laughs> on the walls. And then I lost interest. And I I remember watching uh, watching that episode. I had it on in another monitor. I was I was editing and immediately pivoted my head and going, yes. Because yes. that is the exact <laughs> feeling I had where I got to college sophomore year. And there was like the advanced warfare came out. And then there was infinite warfare and all this other stuff. And I was thinking to myself, I despise this. And I'm like, maybe I'm just like, I don't get it yet. But then I just never got back into it. And that was the moment I fell off. Loki, if those games didn't happen, I don't think I would ever have touched Rocket League. Oh, I definitely okay. feel like I would have just... Because I've always been someone who played one or two games. Yeah. I like just played one main game, and then occasionally I would divert, play a little something else, and then go back to my main game. COD was that for me. I don't think I would have ever touched Rocket League if, if that didn't happen. So after... Take us on that, that journey then. After Call of Duty, how do you find Rocket League? Uh... I still played Call of Duty throughout those games that I didn't like because yeah. my friends played it. So at least you could like, I mean, I, I didn't really enjoy playing it by myself, but it was like a good way of like bonding with my friends who also were at college yeah. or friends I had um, abroad um, and also in like uh, friends who moved to Europe or something. We could play on, on ping, but still like play with each other and chat in a VC. But eventually I just got really sick of it. I just did not like the game and I was like, okay, well. You know, this is kind of getting tired for me, particularly because the one thing that really appealed to me, um, and I think honestly the thing that Rocket League has captured better than any game or esport that I've really been a, a part of is uh, there's a certain kills and call or deaths you receive in Call of Duty where you're running down the field, uh, you're running down um, a hallway or some lane, and then suddenly a grenade just drops on you and you die. And in my yeah. mind, I'm like, this is rough because no amount of reaction time in the world would allow me to survive there right. like that is just pure chance that someone just aimed at the sky chucked a grenade <laughs> and it just happened to land right on top of your forehead right as it explodes and i'm thinking to myself that isn't necessarily skill based that was more yeah. so someone just being like let's chuck and pray someone's probably there and it worked and to me that always felt rough because it's like i could be the best player in the lobby and still die to that like yeah. that is a pure chance. But then when I saw Rocket League in the beginning, I'm like, this is cool. I played soccer growing up. This is advertised as car soccer or whatever. Oh, these cars can fly. That's kind of cool. And then I started realizing like, it's not just Call of Duty where right stick is aim left, right, up, down, where that's more or less a majority of your control and aim and skill. Yeah. But every single micro movement of Rocket League is controlled by air rolling and your yaw and pitch and everything. And that blew my mind. But then when it really settled in like 100 hours in, I'm like, oh, wait, there's literally no RNG. There's no alts. There's no yeah. specialty skills. It's literally just differences in hitbox and where you spawn on demos. I'm like, that blew my mind as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that you can make a game this tight in terms of the kind of like how insular it is in terms of yeah. like outside uh, like outside effects of how you play the game if you lose it's because your team played worse than the other team and that was so rewarding to me and once that realization clicked i like literally knew like i'm not touching call of duty <laughs> like like i will 100 percent. this is like the game i will be grinding like yeah. every single day i i 100 agree i mean I, I could not have said it better i think you know i i didn't really play games growing up i played sports and mm -hmm. In a way, I think Rocket League's even more pure than sports because, like, there's variation from human body to human body and, and you know, oh, yeah. coordination and athleticism, et cetera. But it reminded me very much of sports where, like, there's not really RNG in sports either, right? Like, you, you train beforehand, and, and like I said, different bodies and, and different people are, are gifted with different abilities. But ultimately, it's you and your team's game plan and then your execution of that game plan 
versus the other team and the same stuff. And Rocket League is just, it's just sports, but just translated into that digital medium. And uh, obviously it, rep, it um, emulates a sport as well. And so, um, man, seriously, the first moment that I played, I was hooked. It was so much fun. Me and my friends played Chaos on one screen. So you had your little box. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, and it, I mean, it was just a great time, man. And so um, I actually didn't even own a console at the time. And I would, like, go to my friends' places when they went to work so I could go play Rocket League. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> until eventually it was like, okay, I, I got I to gotta figure something out. So I went and got a used one. But, um, yeah, man, it's such, a, such an incredible game. And I, and I love the way that you – articulated it because i do think that it's like a i don't know what word to use but it's like a thing that rocket league captured and captures a word that you use i don't know what to call it but it's like this feeling or experience where like you said there's just there's no excuse and there's nothing that you there's nothing that you can get angry at other than just like i mean well that's probably not true because people get angry at teammates or whatever else but yeah, yeah. it's just like you know there's no there's no variation it's just you and the ball versus the opponent and it's just so it's so beautiful yeah i, I that's that's the thing that um i really always enjoyed growing up i actually was weirdly enough i don't play it now my stream has been asking me to but um i i played a lot of chess and that's okay. because uh in a lot of like sports theory there is um uh if you talk about variants aka like just statistical variance mm -hmm. I, I would say like in terms of what makes outcomes typically it's uh luck plus skill equals the outcome of a sporting event right. and on a scale there's like pure gambling which is just pure chance almost no skill yeah. uh, you could argue if especially a roulette or something there's no <laughs> skill involved in that but chess is on the far side as being a 100 skill-based game right and the only influence that does matter if you think about it in terms of like odds is who moves first. So for white, and which is why you change who's white throughout a chess match um, in like tournaments. But that to me was really something that I really liked early on is the idea that like, I'm just outthinking you. I am outplaying you. I'm like baiting you into traps. I'm like fainting for certain things and then taking other pieces. I have these long plans I'm executing and I loved that idea. And I think that's what really I like to self-describe myself as like an analytical person. Yeah. Like I think that's just how my brain works. It's why yeah. I'm into what I eventually majored and went to grad school for. But like uh, that really captured that. And for Rocket League, it's not necessarily that you can like be that analytical, like with chess, but it felt like it was like everything in this game is within my control, especially in like a 1v1, for example. It's uh -huh. literally just you beating out your opponent. It's you outthinking them. It's you outmecking them. Yeah. And I, I've I've never touched a game in which it really felt like I am every single time I lose, I understand why I lost. And it is like they did such a good job of balancing like what you're describing about chess, but then also um, you know, precision, accuracy, like mechanical aspect of games. Yeah. And then you like, you know, you combine those two to determine the outcome, whether it's a win or a loss. Yeah, incredible game. I, I think Rocket League's so awesome. Um Obviously, that's why we're still here. So, <laughs> um, is there since you've started playing Rocket League? Is there any other games that you play alongside it? Is there anything that has pulled your attention in a similar manner to Rocket League, or has it pretty much just me? For me, like I said, I didn't really play any other games, and Rocket League is it for me. I've got like thirteen thousand hours since two thousand sixteen, and it's just been 
pure Rocket League only. <laughs> uh, I so I still when Rocket League first came out, I played it kind of in t tangent, uh, tangentially in parallel, whatever you'd like to describe. But like, yeah. it was very much a tangent from COD, and then it eventually became something I played similarly. And then I realized I just like Rocket League more. But then yeah. throughout uh, me playing it, there definitely was moments I liked because I still owned a PS uh, PS4 was my first next gen console it was the first thing I actually bought but the games that always I really liked is uh, I think I have a glitch in my brain I only like challenging games I can't yeah. I never I envy so much streamers and I don't know if you feel this but I envy so much streamers that can just sit down with like Minecraft just sure. have like a relaxing non-competitive game because yeah. for me it's my brain fun. needs some form of challenge or like com competition aspect and so for me uh, the game that my college roommate got me into was Dark Souls. And oh. I love Dark Souls. Dark Souls. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, Elden that's Ring, like, Bloodborne. Like, that's like the thing about them is that they're hard. Yes, and I love those <laughs> games. I've played them all. I've beaten them all. I've replayed them all. And people might say, like, for a lot of games, oh, they're not replayable. It's the same story. I know where the beats are going to go. Dark Souls is more like it's just fun because you get to experiment. Like, oh, you played on this type of character. Now you're just going to re-roll uh, re and do something else. You can do a challenge run. Yeah. There's people who could beat the game just using a torch like one of the lowest damage weapons like it's it's endlessly interesting and then you get into speed running looking at how people optimize stuff like yeah. um all of that was really interesting to me uh, i played i played uh, the new the new god of war i never touched the old ones but like the rebooted ps4 ps5 god of wars i've gotten really into uh, i think probably the biggest time suck right now though for me is rediscovering uh, my switch i bought it back in the day for breath of the wild and then i stopped playing it a bit I saw some speedruns of it. I started playing it again, and then I got really into it. And then Tears of the Kingdom announcement dropped, and I'm like, I'm so there. And so, <laughs> anytime you do not see me on stream, or if you're wondering, like, hey, what's he doing? If I'm probably either editing something for YouTube, or I am specifically playing Tears of the Kingdom, <laughs> uh, just sitting on my couch as my cats lay on me and just grinding out quests. Yeah. That is, it's just great to have a game that's a as like that nice familiar universe, but just such a massive world to explore with a lot of reward for exploration as well which is a very difficult thing to do yeah i like i said i have not really dabbled in any other games but i see some clips and, and like highlights of tears of the kingdom whether it's on just viral stuff on twitter or whatever oh yeah Dude, like that is a crazy game it oh, feels yeah. like i mean this may just be obvious but it just feels like another world just there like i see it, people building yeah. all kinds of things together that i think were probably never intended to go together and then they make some other thing it just looks wild i i have a lot of issues with nintendo and how they operate like their business sometimes yeah. but i gotta say some of their developers that they got at the studios they're wizards like <laughs> my, my friends work in game design yeah and they're looking at tears of the kingdom like i do not know how you're running a game that complex with that many moving parts especially right. with the new building mechanic where you're like adding in all these things and how it works so intuitively that you can attach a steering wheel to anything you create and it in and it works actually exactly how you'd expect it to on a hardware like the switch which right. is basically like a modern toaster oven <laughs> version of processing power yeah. they're like oh, they're like i genuinely don't know how they made a game this polished on basically the weakest console by far that you can possibly buy. Like, I don't understand how they did it. And I'm like, it's because they're just actually that good. Yeah, <laughs> they're just, they're just they're wizards. Just actually incredible. Like, as much as people... Also, Nintendo has the game on a... I, I'm a PC gamer. I'd recommend everyone else get a PC game. But the moment I have someone who I need to introduce to gaming or, like, mm -hmm. get an accessible title, right. I'm like, that's why you need to switch. Yeah. <laughs> they they yeah. do make probably the best games to, like, intro people into the concept of gaming mm -hmm. instead of just chucking them, the, them into the deep. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. The PC stuff can definitely be intimidating. I moved over a couple years after I initially got that Xbox in 2016, and it's a lot. It's definitely a lot to learn. Steam is intimidating. Like when you are new to it, it's yeah. like it just looks foreign. You know, the it's so different from like console UI that it's very just like I don't know, just very easy on the eyes and very simple uh, to navigate. I think, but yeah, Steam is. Anyways, the PC definitely, I mean, should we get into that? Is this the superior machine? <laughs> it's, I, I never understood <laughs> the PC master race jokes uh, on Reddit until I got a PC. Because I do have to realize, like, there's just, it's just capable of so much more, right? It, well, it's capable of so much more. It's obviously more powerful. The thing for me that really made me say I'm never going back was, well, actually two things. One was if for people who I think this is also a common pipeline for gamers. You start at a console because it's cheaper. Your parents don't want to buy yeah, you a thousand dollar PC. They're like, oh, we'll just pay, spend four hundred dollars on a console or something. Uh, they you start playing on it. That's great. And then I bought my first like starter PC, super basic. I think I did have an i7, but like everything else was pretty bare bones, like entry level graphics card. Yeah. And I just remember uh, playing on that for a while. And then my buddy was like, hey, do you want to play? I only have my PS4. So I went back to the console. And noticing the input lag differences. Mm, it's horrible. That, you can't go back after no. that. Like you can you can go from console to PC. And honestly, I didn't notice it much. No, I did not same. notice a difference. But the moment I went back, even though people are like it's only like a hundred milliseconds, it's only 150, it feels like it's a full second between it, you moving. It's mind blowing. There's there's enough time where I have hit a button and in my mind I have a reaction of why has it not happened? <laughs> yes <laughs> and then it happens like there's enough time for my mind to process i have jumped the car hasn't jumped yes now it's jumped it's you're right it's crazy and it was wild to think that you just didn't like you were just accustomed to it and you didn't notice it at the time you know you mm -hmm. just played and i guess it's just because like you didn't know it could be more efficient you know your body hadn't i don't know i'm sure there's some science there but all right, let's pivot off of this. So started some games around the high school time, mostly the Call of Duty stuff. Um, transitioned to Rocket League, and then mostly been Rocket League since. When did when did you start playing? Actually, uh, I was 2016. I specifically remember the ads for like um, kind of like alpha and beta stuff, and yeah. I just never did it. And oh, obviously, no. looking back with the value of alpha of and everything, and, and what a prestige <laughs> item that is, like oh, a status goodness. symbol, I, I'm so angry at myself, because I definitely looked at it like, you were already oh, on it's kind of dope. Yeah, uh, well, no, I was on console for a while, oh, and then okay. junior year, I think, yeah. of college, which was 20, uh, that is 2016 for me, I was like, oh, let's get Rocket League. I did play it on the PS4 a bit, but then switched over to my PC and yeah, I started it pretty early and it was pretty casual play for a while, but yeah, that, that definitely was the moment I, I got into it. It was definitely like about 2016. Cause I distinctly yeah. remember being off campus apartment, which was only allowed junior year. So that must've been right, right. around 2016. You know That's funny. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, what are some, uh, what are some other interests of yours outside of this gaming and esports world? Uh, it's, it's tough because uh, I love soccer. I grew up with it. Mm -hmm. I played through high school. I played in, uh, travel teams, premier teams, academy teams. Uh, I played uh, up into, I pretty much chose my college almost exclusively off of where I was likely to be able to play um, NCAA. Yeah. Uh, and 
I followed a lot of Premier Soccer, Premier League Soccer over in England. I followed a decent amount of um, Spanish La Liga. I even watched League One in France for a little bit because my parents had just had just good enough of a cable package to be able to watch all those, <laughs> right. but like not good enough to watch like super super niche stuff. Um, so I watched a lot of it, but I, I learned that, and this is probably going to be the same as Rocket League if I ever uh, somehow find myself uh, getting bent out of shape on one end of it. But the more I played soccer, the more I wanted to watch it. And then the more I watched it, the more I wanted to play. So it was like this cycle that motivated <laughs> yeah. the other side yeah. of it. And so when I played it a lot, I was constantly like involved with things. And nowadays, uh, I, I got injured in college. It kind of ended my playing career. Yeah. And ever since then, I kind of got out of it. But I used to be massive into sports. And now I still have like the appreciation of sports. Sure. Like I can get really into any event that I understand a decent amount of the background of. Yeah. Um, um, I'm especially... Uh, like respect people like direct in the rockley communities mm. statistician wizard if, uh, shout out to direct one of my favorite people yeah. twitter accounts but uh the appreciation of statistics and just the marveling of human ability um mm. in traditional sports is crazy there's a youtuber uh that low-key i've told people i've tried to model my content after is uh, jimmy high roller he does nba analysis and it is by far the most engaging YouTube channel I watch on the entirety of that site. I, I, there's no other videos I will watch 100% watch time, <laughs> like on every yeah. single video other than him. Because uh, he just dives deep into like statistically how this one player is like incredibly uh, detailed in this one way, how dominant they were in this aspect or how certain yeah. players compare, how different eras, just think pieces, backs up with data, all these great charts. And of course, I'm a nerd. I worked in psych and I worked in data visualization for a while. So I'm like... Yeah man it's like this is just the best this is a fusion <laughs> of like everything i love like yeah. competitive sports stats like uh data analysis so it it, it really works for me but I, I would say a lot of the outside stuff i like is still sports is still a huge mm -hmm. draw for me if i if i was more motivated i would uh, with my time and less militant about being efficient i would definitely be probably seeking out like a men's league plan for soccer around yeah, here yeah yeah um i i was very big into sports as a player but i did not care at all to consume any of it which i i i don't know but i think it's kind of rare i feel like most of the folks that play sports most times i feel like they always expressed interest in watching the professional play you know they've got a certain player that they wish they could be or whatever i just my problem when i was a kid is i could not sit still i did not have the patience uh, to yeah watch a movie or you know nba nfl whatever I, I just did not i did not care to sit still i wanted to go ride my bike <laughs> i wanted to go you know hit rocks with with an old bat or something um <laughs> i just did not want to sit still so i i didn't ever watch but i did love playing um so with that being said what are some of the um or, or what are some pieces of content you know, you mentioned this Jimmy High Roller and it's sports. Would you say that most of your the content that you consume is either like career focused or like Rocket League esports stuff, um, or is there some other recreational content? Like, what, what do you like to do as far as you know, movies, shows, content consumption? Um, I feel like Twitch and YouTube has actually taken over a massive amount of my media diet. Uh, if if I have subscriptions to streaming platforms, it's usually more like background noise. Uh, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the last time I've actually binged a show um, was on my own accord. 
is been a yeah. while. Uh, I, I remember watching a lot of Wednesday, but I think it's just because me and my girlfriend at the time were very much were looking for stuff to watch like while right. we're eating, and it was like Wednesday was the thing that we watched and or something, or we'd watch like some other show that came out. But I would say um, I watch a lot of reruns of Criminal Minds, which again, okay, I've, I've been involved with psychology for a while, so I'm just into yeah, you know the criminal psych aspect of it. Uh, there's some occasional reruns of like Community that I like, good comedy, good background. A lot of rewatchable shows but um back in the day my girlfriend was a massive in high school even my girlfriend at the time was a massive like movie critic wannabe person in that okay. like very good at art analysis very good at like picking apart themes and motifs and so i watched a lot of oscar we watched every single oscar nominated movie every year and always been a fan of film all my friends grow it was weird i was the only friend in my friend group that was like an athlete. Everyone else was like an art, art nerd. Looking back, it was oh, okay. very strange. Every single one of my friends was like a very talented artist. Uh, they were like a cinematographer person. They went to film school. They went to some performing arts thing. Um, and I was just the one guy with no artistic talent, but <laughs> I was friends with them. So I got really into film and analysis. But um, over time, I feel like I've kind of walked away from that. But I think it yeah. goes back to the idea that um, those are usually social activities for me, like watching it with someone or yeah. it's something I do in the background, like while I'm doing something else. And so therefore I'm not like a hundred percent focused on the show. Yeah. Okay. Any anime? Anime is the one thing I've not even touched at all. The oh, only time I've watched anime though is as a kid, uh, Toonami, shout out Toonami yeah. on Cartoon Network, uh, Naruto and old school Dragon Ball Z. I watched a lot of, I cannot yeah. tell you a lot about the storylines or sure. I believe they're called arcs that a lot of like they, they call like i can't tell you a lot about those but i relate to a lot of dragon ball z media now of yeah. like how the shows are structured naruto about like certain battles or characters um i'll screw up some of the names occasionally people in my chat will be like oh sasuke and i'm like sorry i just remember yeah. the <laughs> black haired guy wearing navy blue or whatever like but there there are shows i'm into i understand the appeal but it's just i don't get into a lot of media in general so it's yeah. like with anime i'm like eh. I don't know if there's anything that really like intrigues me enough to really dip into that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. I was very against it for a long time. I, so I had a group of buddies in high school that, I mean, it was just sports, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm spending time with these people. These are who my friends are. Um, and I, I had, you know, I, I feel like I was very fortunate. I had great friendships. Um, but then when I got to college, the buddies that I had were very, very different from the ones I had in high school. And they introduced me to a lot of new things. And one of the things that they were pushing for a while is anime. And I just, you know, the standard stuff. Like, I'm not watching cartoons, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I caved. And man, as soon as I did, I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I understand. And I have been hooked ever since. It's, I mean, outside of like, like I said, when I asked the question, outside of like work media consumption, which is... And I don't want it to, it's not work. I'm enjoying watching RLCS, yes. but it's part of the job, right? Like I need yes. to be in tune and, and, you know, the same thing with like keeping up with other streamers and peers around the space, just seeing what's going on. Like, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. I do, but that's all tied into just like the career. The only media that I consume, like totally recreationally on my own is anime. I don't have like a Netflix subscription. I don't have a Hulu subscription. No HBO or Disney or, or nothing like that. Um, just anime. I have, a, I have that Crunchyroll subscription. Crunchyroll, Crunchy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just been... I actually... I just finished a rewatch 
of One Piece. That, that, I, think, I think if anyone understands how long that show's been on, that, that's impressive. That, that's not only the, the finish, but the rewatch. I just finished it. a rewatch. Man, I are, was, you, are, you, are you watching the filler episodes? Or are you the, just watching on the, on like, the, first the, go, the watching yes. guide ones? The first go, yes. The second go, no. The second okay. go was very much... Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a word for it, but just I, I would skip through and, and find what I wanted to see, and yeah, um, especially as I got deeper into the story, so mm -hmm. like the closer to what I had just seen recently, like I didn't need to see much of it because I just watched it, yeah, or, or more recently watched it, and so you know once I got to a certain level, I was pretty much skipping like sixty percent of it and just watching battles, you know, so yeah, um, definitely. Not a full rewatch, but um, just finished that up and started started some new shows, which I'm excited about. Um, part of what I like about those is when they're when they're really long like that, and you can dive in for a long time and, and just be engulfed in this universe. Um, you know, I, I find it so fun. But it's been nice because as I've been on this rewatch, there's been quite a bit come out that. You know, now I kind of have like a backlog of things that I, sh I can put on the to-do list or to-watch list. So you said you've seen quite a few movies, shows, etc., but it's not really something that you are super interested in. How do you feel about music? Uh, music, I feel like, has uh, the, the, ad the advent of Spotify, I think, has crippled my daily routine in terms of I am... <laughs> and I don't know if this is just like me being a millennial and... People are like, you're so attached to your digital devices. You're so <laughs> desperate to that. But like, I can't do normal activities without music. Like I can't yeah. like walk around my home doing chores. I'm listening to music. I yeah. have Bluetooth headphones in. I'm listening to music. I am doing chores around the house. I'm listening to music. I'm showering. I have a video playing in the background or music playing. I'm cooking. <laughs> there's music. Like there's always something. And I don't know if it's like, and it's not even like some, at least not consciously. It's not like. I can't be alone with my thoughts. I can't be right. alone with the silence of the world. It's literally just like, I, it's just nice to have music to jam to. So yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I've, I, I, I wouldn't say I have unconventional tastes by any means. Cause I don't want to paint myself as like, I don't listen to like outside the curve stuff. Cause pop music's still great. Like yeah. whatever, like the occasion of the song, I'm like, Oh, this is catchy because it's designed to be like that. Right. But, um, growing up, I, I didn't, have a car until i graduated college so i didn't listen to a lot of radio and it just became a pattern to not do that especially now that all cars have auxiliary cords why would i listen to yeah, random yeah. music with commercials when i could just plug in my own but because of that i i really stopped listening to radio around like i don't know 2016 or something and so past that there'd be a lot of people who were like oh have you heard the new blah blah blah? oh what about this rapper this new rapper and i'm like i have never heard no of these people. like sometimes <laughs> like there's there's a lot of people that a lot of uh, uh, that makes me feel older than anything else my students I used to teach uh, -huh. uh and also all the young younger pros in the rlc and for on twitter they'll yeah. be tweeting out like man this little uzi vert, vert verse is crazy and i'm like is that <laughs> and i'm thinking this probably like some underground person i google it and i'm like oh this is like a like a big person or like it's like a, just that happens all the time so for me yeah. a lot i would define a lot of my music as like indie pop or like kind of like lower level artists and like hip-hop or something but like mm -hmm. not even like that deep of a run i would say a lot of my music is like indie or like edm because okay. it's a lot of youtube channels that like market themselves specifically for like this is smaller djs or edm artists that have just yeah. come out with something and that kind of has just been i like high energy stuff i guess feel good yeah. music yeah do you have any examples of some artists, maybe? 
Uh, there's an artist, Quinn92. Okay. He's probably my favorite artist. It's Quinn uh, space XCII. Um, and they are one of, that was the first concert I've ever been to that I yeah. bought tickets for on purpose. I've been dragged to a couple <laughs> growing up, but yeah. Um, that was like my first artist I got. I, they're one of the few artists, and apparently this is a rare phenomenon. I, my only Reddit clout ever was me posting it on <laughs> Ask Reddit and asking, is there, because I, because of a Quinn92 album, I was like, uh, is there any, artist you've ever listened to an album and you've liked every single song because that had never happened to me before yeah. there's usually like i listen to a song even an artist i love i'll listen to it and then like four album tracks in i'm like eh, i don't like that one and you'll just like skip yeah. it and you realize yeah. you only like 75 percent of it or 60 percent of it um win 92 is one of the few artists where i think every single album i think i've liked every single one or at the very least i didn't dislike any of the right, tracks right. and so that to me is really good it's it's like a very much just like kind of laid back pop-ish type of sound, but not, I would say it's heavily, I don't want to say manufactured, that's the wrong word, but uh, yeah. as, as heavily kind of like tuned to be like, this is made by some industry guy who knows sure. this is exactly how a song sounds. I feel like when you listen yeah. to a beat in indie music, it's always unique. Like I haven't really heard that before. Like yeah. there's nothing that quite sounds like that. AJR is I think another album like that. Their production is very unique to them. I think you could identify theirs among like a crowd of sounds. Yeah, I, I I love music as well, and I'm very similar. Where like I'll, I'll turn it on in the shower, and you know if I'm cleaning or whatever. So I'm fairly similar in that regard. I would say that my my taste is probably I don't I mean I don't know if this is the right word, but I don't know what else to use. But like a little more basic. Where um, I, I used to love your like most mainstream. I'm a, I'm a hip hop person. I love hip hop music, um, but you're like most mainstream artist, Lil Wayne. I was like, it was an obsession. I mean, it was ridiculous. You know, his 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 clever punchlines and little puns and things are just, I love them. But as I got older, I started to enjoy a little bit more thought-provoking thought thought provoking hip-hop. Mm. Um, I actually felt like it was educating me a lot, um, you know, teaching me about things that I otherwise probably wouldn't have heard about or known about. Um, but I am starting to try to dive in a little bit deeper, find some artists that maybe don't have as much mainstream success, uh, but you you mentioned like this unique production, and I want to ask if you have heard of JPEG Mafia. I have heard of, but I, I could not name a song. Yeah, that. so I don't know how much you like hip hop, but if you do, um, their uh, JPEG's most recent album is called "Scaring the Hose," <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is is very unique production as well. Um, and, and, and I think if I'm understanding correct, some of the things that you're outlining as far as artists, like it's kind of cookie cutter or template. Like they know that this style of production, like boom, 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 they have this formula that they formulaic, maybe that's a good word for it, but they know that this is going to hit. They know that this is going to land on the radio. They know that this is going to land with, you know, this demographic, whatever, um, that most recent album at the very least, and I haven't listened to a ton of their stuff, but the most recent album definitely does not have that formulaic approach. It is very mm -hmm. unique. It is very out there. The first time I heard it, because my ears were not used to that, I was very off-put by it. And I was like, it was, I almost want to say it was hard. It was like challenging to listen to because it's so just, there's so much going on and it's not as, you know, what our ears want. Right. Yeah. Um, but once I gave it some more, some more time and, and, once I understood more what I was listening to and the fact that like the experimentation is the point, 
um, I started to appreciate it a little bit more. So I really love it. I still have it in my rotation now. And, you know, if you like that kind of stuff, hip hop and experimental type stuff, maybe give it a try. Um, okay, well, what about traveling? Have you done much traveling? Is that something that you're interested in? I know that we've gone to a few RLCS events. For me, I have not done a ton of traveling. I've gone to Florida a few times with friends and whatnot, just hit the beach, and then RLCS stuff, which I have a ton of fun with, but that's like like half travel, you know what I mean? Like you're going for the event, and I don't do a whole lot of exploring while I'm there. So my travel experience is relatively minimal, but I will say what I have done, I very much enjoyed, and I would love to do more in the future. Um, so what is your perspective towards travel? Uh, I personally am someone who likes traveling in a very specific uh, lens, I would say. Okay. Because I, I don't mind the idea of going somewhere new, seeing what it's about, whatever. But there is like a certain point where the exhaustion of traveling gets to me a bit. Yeah. And I don't know if this is just me being an introvert or being like more hermited because I do tend to like stay near the home base, like yeah. stay indoors a bit um, gets to me. But like going to lands, I just get like a huge boost of energy. I want to go out and I want to see people. I want to hang out with people. I want to do that. If I work a land as a commentator, the same thing yeah. um, for the most part. And I like that, but I don't have that like wanderlust that some people have sure, that they're sure. like, I want to go to Thailand, see all yeah. this crazy stuff. I want to go to Indonesia. I want to go to Japan. I'm like, That'd be cool if, you know, maybe I worked a gig there, like there was some Japanese event or something like that'd be cool. I've never been to Tokyo. I've never been to all these different places, but like, I don't really have a drive to do that. It's more so like if I'm popping in, that's great. Um, partially because I think the less, <laughs> I don't know, this is like, I don't know, this is even a pessimistic or like a negative view, but like, I feel like the more you see of places, the less wondrous they are. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, personally, yeah. as someone who grew up in New York State, I did New York City a lot. New York City is a great place to visit. But if you stay there for an extended period of time, I think people realize this city's kind of bad. <laughs> like it's <laughs> way too many people, yeah. kind of dirty, super loud all the time. And for some people, that's what they want. But like, I'm like, New York City is a great place. It's the reason there's a reason, let's say that people try to keep you corralled at like Times Square or like yeah. on Canal Street or something like just going like to food like you do, the more you're in a city that crowded, I think you start to notice the cracks. And for me, it's like, yeah, go three, four days in San Diego. That'd be great. If I had to live in San Diego, I'd be broke. Like no right, shot right. of affording that place. Like yeah. it's start noticing all those tiny things like, oh, my breakfast sandwich, which is $6 in my hometown is like fifteen <laughs> twenty at this place in Cali. Like I'd never, you just don't even think about it in the moment. But I think, I don't know. There's a lot of things that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's my mind justifying this is why you shouldn't travel too much, but it's definitely for me, like, I don't know, I've just never had that itch to, like, really yeah. go all these different places. Like, well, I'm, I'm good where I am. Right. When you, were, <laughs> when you were younger, did your family do much traveling? Uh, Florida, apparently. Uh, my, I remember my father going to Disney. Uh, we went to, I think it's World in Florida. Um, Disney World, Florida, like Orlando. And that was super fun, but my main memory of it was actually... Uh, the reality of how expensive that stuff is <laughs> like for everything right. flights resorts even food like every it felt like every single time my dad got a check he was just like <sighs> like just like <laughs> contemplating how much debt he's gonna be in like how much he's loading up yeah. a credit card on this and he's just like every single time i just felt like i saw this like mixture of like hidden pain and, and like uh, also like this is you know we're just keeping a happy face like he had fun obviously it's fun hanging out with your kid and seeing them react to it but yeah uh, those those trips were painted with that but we went to a place <laughs> called sanibel island i remember a decent amount of times yeah. i don't know even know if that's a popular place but that was 
I do remember going there. Um, so I do have memories of traveling, but yeah, uh, my family didn't do as much. I grew up in a pretty rich suburb, but my parents were by far like the lowest rung of that sure. economic ladder within that area. Yeah. We lived like right outside, like a curve of good neighborhoods in the district. But um, my friends were like, oh, it's Labor Day weekend. We're going to Paris for like two days. And I'm like, <laughs> and my, meanwhile, my parents are like, hey, it's summer vacation. We're going to maybe go the next town over. And I'm like, let's go. So, <laughs> so it's definitely weird to see the levels of, right. you know, affordability and travel. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. I think the reason I asked why uh, or, or if you had done a lot of traveling, because I think obviously a lot of times we, I think it's, well, let me say this. I think it's very easy to romanticize things that you haven't experienced yet. And so, yeah. like I said, I haven't done a lot of traveling. And so I feel very, um, like, enthusiastic about it. Like, I want to do it. You know, I have a strong desire for it. Um, and that's why I asked, because I, I feel like maybe, maybe once I did it a lot, maybe I wouldn't feel that way. I don't know. Um, I can say that the, the trip that stands out the most to me, like I've, I've done some baseball traveling all around Arkansas. Um, but that's like, I don't know. It's just like Arkansas point two. You know what I mean? It's the same thing everywhere down <laughs> yeah. here. Um, and then the beach is awesome. I love the beach. It's so, it's so cool. Um, but I went to season seven, uh, Newark. And I went two days early, and I had a, I have a friend that lives in New York, and that for me was just like, whoa, you know, I yeah. I, I come from Arkansas, and then see, and and you said it too, you said there's too many people, dude, I'd never seen that many humans, like that many oh, yeah. actual people just walking around was freaking mind boggling, and I think that experience and like how I felt while I was there is what gives me that strong desire to want to, I, I think. It's like chasing a high, right? Like I, I felt that yeah. and I want to feel that again um, in a new place. And, and it was just so, it was so unique. It was so different. It was so many things that I had never seen before, never crossed my mind. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know people live like this. I didn't know, I had never seen a subway before. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think that for me was like a very pivotal moment, I guess. And um, so I would like to replicate it, but um. So you said you played soccer. Do you have any big moments from your childhood that stand out to you from that time playing or any other sport for that matter? Um, and then you said, did you say that you were looking like the reason that you looked for specific schools was where you could play? Is that right? Yeah. So this is also going to get into uh, a tale I, I tell to my stream as life lessons because I have a lot of teenagers um, yeah. who watch me, but they... Um, I talk about this because growing up, I played baseball a lot. My father, really? like my father, I'm, I'm convinced that I'm two years, my sisters are two years apart and I'm six years away from, and six and eight years away from my sisters. So, um, uh, based on that timeline, I almost guarantee my father was like, I wanted a son to model, to get him into sports. I like, and I can't believe I've got two daughters or my mom's like, fine, we'll have another kid. So I'm <laughs> almost guaranteed that's exactly why I'm so far apart. But yeah, because of that, my dad was like trying to get me into football, never got into football, uh, you want to be in baseball because it's like second favorite sport. And I kind of liked baseball, but to me, it was too slow. It yeah. felt like you were just sitting around for a yeah. while. Like I, I liked the, the hand that I will say hitting a baseball is in terms of human feats of like hand-eye coordination and timing and the abilities 
to recognize where to swing and how to swing yeah. on something you can barely even consciously comprehend. That to me, scientifically, is amazing. But as yeah. a sport, I have no interest in it. So, yeah. uh, well, no, no interest. I'll watch baseball during playoffs or something. But peripherally, I kind of got out of it. Got into soccer, played a lot of that, and then I got up to college. Um, and I was playing on Premier teams, which I don't know the term, but Premier Academy. It's like you're paying a decent amount of money paying on these teams because in us soccer is very much pay to win but uh <laughs> to get on good teams but for uh us soccer at least for my local local term it's called academy soccer you pay a lot to play on this team really good other players you travel to tournaments you play in like state ranked national ranked teams um in front of college scouts and from playing it though i had a couple scouts from like other schools like contact me or come up to me and say like hey hi i'm this person here's my email whatever yeah. and you know i had a couple good schools reach out to me like in uh, the northeast area i had some schools down south um some d2 schools some d1 schools a lot of d3 schools and my girlfriend at the time was like i think if you've if people have dated for a while in high school i think you relate to this like you feel like you're that's your first true love first yeah, yeah. like love in your life so it's like oh this is just going to keep continuing so yeah. choose a college that's near me so only go to new york so i had to reject like a bunch of offers oh. from outside schools because i'm like i should do this and you know my dad's like oh don't do that <laughs> like trying like <laughs> so hard to get me to like because yukon contacted me and that's like a d1 school yeah but they were like not guaranteeing me a spot but they were like we're really interested we want you to do this and i was like no no thanks i'm gonna stick near my college girlfriend so i went to a school that was in New York State, 40 minutes away from my hometown. Uh, and I knew the coach there. But then I got there for preseason, injured myself on an oh, old no. back injury, and realized in that moment that I don't know how well I'd be able to rehab this. And I'd basically have to sit on the bench for a while. And yeah. that eventually led to me just having to admit to the coach, like, I can't do this. He told me, all right, well, and you're not on the team. And I, I remember that is by far top three moments in my life where you realize like you've played soccer for at least for me since third grade like that yeah. was like not the plan i was never like i'll be a pro one day but it was definitely like this is going to be my path for a while all through college we'll see what goes on from there but that's the realization that might be actually be it like you're not going to be playing yeah that that was definitely top three like most soul crushing moments of my life oh my like goodness. in terms of like that is because it's, it's a pivot point it completely yeah. changes where you see yourself going on top of the fact that i chose college specifically to be like to to act towards that um but that did become a blessing in disguise, I will say, because uh, I eventually wanted to go on to grad school, and I definitely did not have the work ethic to do that. And talking to other other athletes, if you're a student athlete yourself, or even esports athlete, uh, you might relate to this. Very hard to balance doing full time sports and workouts and practices and tape review and everything on top of classwork. If I had to do both that, I definitely would have been a very substandard student, yeah. and I ended up being a pretty good student. So. Uh, once that was distraction was kind of like removed so in a way it was kind of a blessing disguise going to like a worse in quotes academically school but uh playing soccer versus not playing soccer and going to like a better school overall for my education i think that was yeah something that worked out but definitely not a not a fun experience do not yeah. choose your college though based off of someone you're dating you can find a way to compromise you can make long distance work but i <laughs> would love to echo that sentiment i did the exact same thing i hey uh, there we go <laughs> i dated a girl from sixth grade until my junior year of school of uh, college dang and um followed her there and um i mean obviously that did not work out <laughs> so yeah I, I completely agree but you're i mean you're totally right like you said it when you have like a long-term thing in high school it just feels like it's almost like you are powerless. Like, how are you? How, at that age, how 
it would be so difficult to make that decision. Yes. To say like, no, this isn't a big deal. I'm going to choose something else because I, at that age, you just don't have like you, you just the perspective that you have towards life is like right here. But for you in that moment, it's all of it. It's everything. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, for anyone listening, like don't follow them, <laughs> but also like you're probably going to do it anyway. I, so, <laughs> I mean, that's something I, I always think about because it's something that um, I, I I don't have these moments, but it's kind of a meme segment, but also it's just kind of fun to talk about because I, I love this concept. But um, on, sometimes on my stream, we'll do like some student, uh, uh, some student, uh, some person the age of my student uh, yeah. or something is like in their teenage years, maybe early 20s. They ask me like a question about relationships or something. And then I use it as like a podcast way of because a lot of my mods are like late 20s or like 30s or something. Yeah. I myself am 28. So I'm always like, okay, well, first off, like your 20s, you change a lot. I'm not the same person I was when I was 21 from 23, 23 to 25, 25 to 28. Like you change a lot because it's a very transitory part time. You're getting into college, you're going to grad school, you're changing jobs, you're moving states, all that. So it's hard to like find consistency. But even beyond that, relationships are such an interesting thing. Like I think the statistic is on average, people date like 13 people throughout their lifespan or something. Yeah. And people are like, that's a lot. But I'm like, well, the idea for me felt like, yeah, that is also a lot. But people think of the idea of soulmates as like you click with this person. We're just meant to be with this person. But when you meet someone, you really connect with someone. Like in high school, you date someone who's like, this person's so great. I love being with this person. I think a lot of people when they get talked to and say, well, you know, you might gotta, you know, you don't know if that person's right for you. You haven't had a lot of comparison points. It's not saying like you're wrong to feel that way, but definitely for me, when I've been dating throughout my life, you start to realize that there's a almost like a latent list of pros and cons or qualities you like and dislike that you don't actually realize until you start dating other people. And you start to realize like, oh, there isn't actually like a criteria that people need to meet because that criteria is ever shifting. Like I right. used to think I liked this type of girl and yeah. I really liked a woman who was um, this type of energy, liked this type of thing. But then I date someone who's completely different and realize, actually, I like that maybe even better. And then you yeah. date someone else and you're like, oh, wait, actually, I can like refine what I like now. And it's, yeah. it just gives you a lot more insight in how to like find someone who truly works for you. Because I think yeah. uh, it's very easy to be distracted and think, no, 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 this is as best it's going to give you, all that. Mm -hmm. But I definitely feel like if people are viewing relationships as like, oh, I'll never get someone that good again. It's not about that. You gotta really just you move on, and you. I think you learn generatively over time that there's this sense of connection that isn't based on set criteria because it develops right. over time, and you learn as you get older what you actually like. And I think that only happens through, unfortunately, going through some heartbreak sometimes or going right. through some rough experiences. So I, I I try to tell that to people who come into my chat very sad boy hours, like, yeah, I just broke up with my girlfriend, it's over, and I'm like, no, homie, like. This will be good for you, like in a way. It doesn't feel like it. It really doesn't feel like it, but mm -hmm. this will be good for you in the future. Yeah. And like that is also, or we'll tie it back to what you were talking about with like your soccer injury as well, where a lot of the times, and actually maybe I shouldn't say a lot of times, but sometimes, some occasions, um, and I can say I, I've certainly found many occasions actually where the thing in the moment feels, you know, just very negative. I'm perceiving mm -hmm. it from that point in time in my life where it feels bad, it hurts, it's not good, and I don't like it, and I will even beat myself. There, there's a specific situation where, so I came out of that relationship, nine years, like that was all I knew, and had a couple little flings, nothing ever really solidified, and then I met a girl that I really, really liked. 
We spent like three months together. And now looking back, I understand it's such a small, tiny, it's just not a big deal. But mm -hmm. she ended up going to grad school a different place. Didn't really want to take on long distance plus a new school yeah. and all that good stuff. And, and I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was so upset. And I think that it was because I was experiencing one, like a rebound, right? Like, you know, I went from a tough situation to a, a one that I like or, or, you know, a new situation that got my mind off of it. But two was just like complete and total acceptance of what I am and who I am and how I behave. And there was no like, I don't know. It was just, it was just great. It was easy. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I was just devastated, quite frankly, and I was really hard on myself about it. And, dude, not even, not even half a year later, mm -hmm. I'm going back to school. Um, it was summertime. And then, obviously, I go back to school. And I start to realize if I was with this girl, I would be traveling away from all my friends every weekend. And my final mm -hmm. year of school, I would not have even spent time with these people that now I understand at 30, I'll never get that time back. I'll never get that opportunity to hang out with all my homies in such a, you know, a carefree time in my life. And so the very thing that I was so upset about and beating myself up about, I became grateful for that very thing, not even half a year later. And it was just such a, that right there is like a, like a, you know, a cornerstone of my existence where I'm not saying that. I can't experience bad things and feel sad. I can, and I will continue to have that. But it just taught me that, it, you know, feel that emotion, feel that sadness, feel that disappointment, whatever, the frustration. But then don't, you know, don't let it just eat you alive because the very thing that is bothering you right now could be, you know, it could end up being a positive in, in the very near future, whether it's relationships or I actually... Part of why I'm doing this job now is because I had, I mean, I don't know if this is totally fair, but like I got into, I graduated the summer, I get into a pair pro position because most education spots are filled by the time summer rolls around. And then the very next year, the, I was a PE monitor. So I was like an aide for a PE guy. He had to move uh, due to coaching obligations. And so the position, like the athletic director of the school district was basically like, it's yours, just apply. And someone with... <laughs> infinitely more experience and credentials and uh you know reason to be hired there was no reason for them not to hire her so she gets the job and that's a i mean that's a huge raise that i miss out on but if i had not missed out on that there's no chance that i would have quit my job and pursued this because i wouldn't have been able to justify foregoing that salary so um you know that's just another example of, of that lesson that you were outlining there with the soccer thing and and you know i've experienced it a couple times as well it does, like just because it's bad right now doesn't mean it's going to continue to be bad. You may become grateful yeah. for that very thing that you're upset about. Yeah, I mean, I have the same thing now doing full time casting and content. It was yeah, it was just a massive like uh, expectancy of how your career is going to progress getting changed, and then you have yeah. that like pivot moment where like if there's ever a time it's to try this out, yeah, it would be now, and you can't want to miss out on that. But definitely, the I agree with the. Uh, in psych, it's called emotional forecasting. Um, it's very hard for people in the moment to know how they're going to feel in the future. It yeah. feels like you do know, but right. the I would say almost like the emotional and even like cognitive and your negative thoughts, the inertia of that is very hard to shake off from your reasoning. So when people right. are really bad, they're like, this is it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, th like my life is done. Like, yeah. I'm going to be so upset. Yeah, it'll feel a little better, but this is going to suck. And then later on, you just move on. You're like, oh, 
<laughs> like I'm, I feel good actually. This is actually yeah. not a huge thing. Like you can look back and maybe it'll sting a little bit, but for the most part, you can think back on past experiences and um, I think you just view them just as that they were happening. They 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 came, they went, and then now you are who you are. And I think um, I definitely view a lot of those past things as like learning experiences too general, but they're they're foundational points in your development that create yeah. who you are. Like you would not be who you are mentally, emotionally, um, intellectually, even without those experiences. Because uh, with my first girlfriend, she was great. Really like being with her, but definitely with someone who by her own admission she wrote me a letter uh, i remember uh when after i graduated from college we were broken up for a couple of years where as part of uh her going to therapy she wanted to apologize to people she felt like she was like wronging and she felt like she was way too demanding of my time i don't think i was very introverted i need some alone time uh yeah. i was spending basically every single day with her like at times i would sleep over at her house instead of being at home or something yeah. and uh that really drained me and it taught me later on that like you need to respect your own time. Like, yes, you're a people pleaser. You want to make everyone happy, but like, you got it in the moment. If you feel burnout, if you feel like you need that recharge time, that if anyone who's introverted knows that feeling, you need you need that occasionally. Take that time, and it's not disrespectful. It's just a relationship should be give and take. Yeah. Um, and when I broke up with uh, that girlfriend, I felt terrible at first, but then later on, I was like, actually, without that relationship, I don't think I would have really realized that. I definitely yeah. feel like I would have burnt myself out trying to constantly please people, constantly hang out with people. And taught me to, not necessarily have a backbone, but just be, uh, have some agency. Just be like, hey, I need this right now, and I'd hopefully you can respect the idea that this does yeah. not weigh on you. This is just, you have to take care of yourself. Self care is so important, uh, right. and something that maybe when you're younger you don't appreciate how much you really do need that in your life. Yeah, very true. Um, all right, well, we are actually a little over an hour. I don't want to keep you too long. But I do have one final kind of just open-ended question. I like to close things up with this. Um, if there's anything that's been on your mind that you would like to share, whether it be about you specifically, Rocket League, life in general, um, you may do so now. And if not, that's totally fine as well. We'll go ahead and close this thing up. Um, I would say just in general, uh, really just want to thank, I guess, the community in general for their support of everyone. I know I, there's been plenty of people like yourself who have announced, hey, I'm going to take on this super spooky venture, and the people actually rally behind that and really yeah. get involved. And to a certain extent, streamers and personalities, it is kind of like you're buying into the person themselves, but it's nice to see that like the community is willing to throw their support behind you in whatever yeah. case that is. I recently went through, uh, I said top three most devastating moments was uh, when I realized I was no longer playing soccer for a great majority of my life. The other one was very much so right before Winter Major, I found out that uh, my graduate school was no longer extending my stay there. So instead of being a PhD student, I was just basically told like, hey, after the semester's done, finish your teaching out, grade your students, finish your projects, and then you're done. Uh, in the moment, it was devastating. I decided to try out full-time casting and content. And so far, it's been really nice because people in the Rocket League community, esports in general, people on Twitter that I just peripherally interact with, yeah. very supportive. It's just nice to see that, like, kind of the human condition, people recognize that this person tries to put an effort, they want to reward it with their attention, with their support, with vouches, whatever. So I want to say thank you to all those people who support not only me, but, like, every creator out here trying to make some crazy dream happen mm -hmm. um, because you're rewarding people with passion, and ultimately that's exactly what 
content creation, anything that, or really just anything uh, passion-based should be. You need to reward people who do that because otherwise we just have just very generic stuff floating around the scene funded yeah. by big money. And that's not how it should be. It should definitely be the people who are putting in the groundwork and trying to create stuff from the ground up. So thank you to all of them. And uh, thank you so much for coming on here. It's been really fun to just to ramble about random topics. Dude, yes, <laughs> yes. I could not agree more, man. I, I am so grateful for everyone's support and their just willingness to accept, like you said, people trying new things and new ventures, content, tournaments, whatever it may be. We see so many people doing so many awesome things. And uh, you're exactly right. Without the support of the scene and the community and, and the folks that are cheering us on, we wouldn't be able to do it. So big shout out to all of you. Uh, big thank you to Danger Taco for carving out some time to chat with me this evening. I had a lot of fun. Um, that's going to be it for this week's Outside the Grind. We will catch you next week.